Let's go. All right. A good in Chaydesh, everybody, and a good Rav Shabbos. Today's daf is Zadi test. All right. Here we go. Page ninety-nine. Hidgim Maseches Babakama. Paraka Gozel Eitzim. And we're going to pick up on the bottom of Zadi Ches Amud Beis. Leima Maseyele. Very bottom line. Last uh, six words from the end of Zadi Ches Amud Beis. Leima Maseyele. Let's bring a raya from the. Let's bring a raya from the Mishnah. If you bring wool to somebody, you want you want him to dye it. We now turn to the top of today's daf. Now, the way they would dye wool is they would heat up the colors, and then you know uh, either put the wool in, connect to the wool. Now, what happened over here is the whole thing was left over the fire uh, for longer, and it burnt. You know, there's a, they say the teacher asked the class, what does it mean when you, what, what does it mean when you hear the smoke alarm go off in your house? So a kid says, it means dinner's ready. Yeah, in some homes, that's how it is. Dinner's ready. See, Lee left it for too long. It happens everywhere. Big deal, right? So, but here I hired the guy to do a good job and he ruined it. The halacha is nice and late to made zamre. The dyer has to pay me the value of my wool, which which means the made samurai in. What you could imply from the Mishnah is that the dyer is going to have to pay me the value of my wool, but the made samurai v'shivchay loy. He's not going to have to pay me the value of the wool as well as the coloring. Now, why would he pay me the value of the coloring? We said it got ruined. We said it got ruined, right? So what sort of value does it have? So the Mepharshim explained that over here what's happening is that the wool itself is not ruined, but the coloring changes the longer you leave it in. So even if the wool still has value and usage, but I wanted it to be light blue. Let's say he left it in for too long and now it's like a maroon color. A maroon colored wool may very well have more value than the plain wool that I gave him. So the question here is, does the dyer have to pay me the value of just my wool, or could he deduct the added value that's now in there? Granted, he left it for too long, but he did add some sort of value. So could he say to me, listen, I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't ruin everything. So, but we say you pay the value of wool. Aren't we dealing with a case where it kind of, you know, uh, the, the, cook, the cooking which was too long was after the dye work, the Ika Shivcha, and therefore we're going to say there was some sort of improvement in the wool. Ushmamina, and we're learning from here, Uman Kaina Bishwakli, a craftsman acquires with the, with the gain that happens through his work, and that's why he doesn't have to pay you for the, for the, uh, um, for the better wool. Now let's stop and pause and take it to the next step, because there's something else that has to be understood here. And that's like this. So, we just explained before what happened. The guy took my wool, he left it in for too long, and then the color changed. But if you look at the word of the Mishnah, it says that it actually ended up being burnt. It ended up burnt. Lamaisa. So what happened was like this. Now let's follow the stage. I asked him to dye it blue. He leaves it in for longer. So initially, before it was in there for too long, 
it was blue. And then he left it in longer, and we'll say it changed to purple. Okay? And then he leaves it in longer, and now it's burnt. So the shy was like this. At the time that it's burnt, there was already improvement in the wool. Because burning doesn't happen right away. Sometimes, if you throw it straight into a bonfire. Right? But the way it worked over here was cooking. First it, co- it like colored it properly. So while the wool is sitting there in the dye, it is being enhanced. And then as it moves along, it's now going to be burnt. It, so now the shiloh becomes interesting. The shiloh becomes, does the, the dyer have to pay me not only for the wool, but at the time that it burnt, the wool was colored and dyed. So he didn't just ruin by leaving it in for too long. He didn't just ruin the coloring of it. You understand? He didn't just ruin it. It's a, he, he mamish ruined an improved wool. Again, I gave him wool. Right. It's improved until it burns and then it burns. So if we're going to say that the dyer only pays me for the wool without the coloring, that means that a craftsman acquires the enhancement. And we don't view it like he just burnt my blue wool. We view it, or my, or my uh, purple wool. We view it as if he burnt my wool. I. what about the added coloring? That was his. Right, because he's the one, that was who, his. He's the one who did the improvement. It wasn't the customer who did it. Nahon. No. But after it improved, what happened? It got destroyed. So now, did he destroy regular wool, or did he destroy dyed wool? That's good. He just he just he, he destroyed improved wool, wool but so pay me for he, improved wool. But it wasn't the customers yet, or was yeah. it? Oh, well, that's the Shiloh. Okay. The Shiloh was like this: If I ask you to do something for me, see, everything. Let, let, let's add a, add an important layer in general economics. Okay. People generally are not going to pay. For something that doesn't give them equal value. So I'll explain. If I if I want um, new flooring in this base measures that we're sitting in, so the flooring itself could cost four thousand dollars. The enhancement to the building, if we would want to sell it, is let's say seven thousand dollars. So we'll put the flooring in and enhance the building. Now, there are times where you'll put flooring in because you like it, even though it's not going to raise the value of something. But generally, if I have regular wool and I ask you to dye it, so the dyer is going to say like this. The dyer will say, okay, your wool right now is worth 100 bucks. I'm going to put in $10 worth of dye, but it's going to raise the value of your wool to 150 bucks. So now, with that layer in mind, notice I gave him wool, plain wool. And I say, please dye this for me. Why? Because I want it to be blue. He's going to charge me $20 to take my wool to the value of $150. And he'll say, okay, my time and my dye, 20 bucks. No problem. Now, if I were to want to take that wool, I could sell it for $150 now. He's charging me $20, though. Instead, he ruins it. So now the Shaila is the gain of right before it was burnt of $150. Is that the owner's? Is, is that the owner of the wools or is that the dyer's? If it's the owner of the wools, then I could say to the dyer, listen, you burnt $150 wool. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Why not? Well, you, the wool was worth $150 when you burnt it. 
At the time that you burnt it, we had a value of 150. But you burnt it. You burnt it. It's not worth that anymore. But, but that, that's right. So that's why the dyer who burnt it should have to pay me for it. Pay me the full 150. Or, do, or does the dyer say, listen, listen, buddy, I was in the middle of my process of, of coloring it. It messed up. Any gains during that process is me. So I'm just paying you 100 bucks. I'm giving you back the value of your wool and we'll just cancel out the whole dyeing process. How do you view it? If, since we're saying that all he needs to do is pay back for the value of the wool and that's it, that's a proof that we say, Uman kind of the craftsman during the process is the owner of, of the coloring. It says the Gemara, Amar says, what are we dealing with? That maybe it burnt even prior to improvement. Like we said, if you throw it straight into a bonfire, it's not gonna, uh, it's not gonna raise any value. Delaka shivcha. There's no proof. There's no uh, gains, and hence there's no uh, there's no proof from this Mishnah that a craftsman acquires the gains. What happens if first it colored it and it was mamish beautiful, then he left it in for too long? What would be the halacha? Nicely to be summary of shivcha, you'd have to give him the value of his wool as well as the gains. Lema Shmuel lastly the Ravasi, which means that Shmuel does not hold like Ravasi. And Kozervasi says that it Uman is kind of Bishwachli. And here we say, not necessarily so. What are we dealing with over here? No, I'll tell you what happened. He said, You don't know the story of the Mishnah. Other than I gave you wool to die and you burnt it. But what about the following case? What happens if you're a guy like Tendler? What's Tendler? I buy something from IKEA. I don't know how to put it together. No clue. So I hire a handyman. Please come over, put it together. Are any of the, is any of the equipment his? No. I'm like, listen, I don't know how to do this. Here's all the stuff, just put it together for me. Says, the, says Shmuel, maybe the case is where I hired a dyer to do it. It was my wool and my dye. But I just don't know how to do this. So I give it over to him. And he ruined it with my die. So the only thing that the dyer would get paid for is by the hour or, uh, or uh, for his time. But there's no specific proof about whether an uman's kind of Of course he doesn't own it. The, the handyman never owns the things that he's fixing for you or, or combining for you. It's all your, it's all your material. So why did we just say you gave him wool? We should say you gave him wool, you gave him the dye, you gave him everything. Maybe we could have said it, but Shmuel, we're just pushing off any specific proof that he holds like, like uh, um, that he's disagreeing with Ravasi. Okay. Says the Gemara, Tashma, come and listen. How nice and pleased he somebody gives his talus to an Uman, and the craftsman calls him up. He says, hey, Rabbi Yid, your talus is done. Come pick it up. Even if it is 10 days later. You have not transgressed. You know what Laisalin is? You have to pay somebody right away. Right? As soon as they finish their work, there's a mitzvah to pay them right away. So somebody calls me up and says, your talus is done. 
finished. Do I have to run over to his house that minute to pay him? Because the terrorist says you shouldn't withhold payment. No. You know when I have to pay him? As soon as I pick it up. As soon as I pick it up, let's do it. What if the, uh, what if the uh, talis macher, the talis maker, gives it back to him at high noon? As soon as the sun sets, you've transgressed. Balsal, you got to pay the guy right away. If he's and if you're going to tell me the woman, the craftsman acquires it as he enhances the material, and why have you transgressed Balsalin? I don't understand. The money you have to give to the craftsman is not considered wages. You know what this is called? Selling. What are you selling? The, the, if we say that the craftsman, the talismacher, is acquire, acquires it as he enhances it. So then, when he drops it off by my house at high noon, I have to pay him like a sale, not as a handyman, not, not as a craftsman. See, when somebody does a job for me, you're obligated to pay him the same day. If somebody sells me something, you can sell on credit. That's not an obligation. As you're not allowed to withhold payment. Stop, there's no biblical transgression of not making payment the same exact day. So why do we say it's a problem of Baal If the craftsman now owns it, it should be a sale. From the fact that we say you would transgress, it's a proof that it's not his. He doesn't take the gains as he enhances it. Gvaldik. We're dealing with Garda de Sarbala. Okay. He's uh, straightening out the fabric. There, there's no improvement. In other words, says it more like this. You know what it means that the guy made your talus? doesn't mean he mamish made your No. What happened was my talus needed to be cleaned. My talus needed to be fixed. You know, and they had a whole process back then. They didn't have the same uh, machinery and mechanism. So it was very common for things to start getting undone. So over here, what type of, uh, what type of um, activity did this uman, did this craftsman do for you? He didn't make it for you. He was fixing it up for you. And over there... Nobody's going to say that he gets any sort of ownership if he's just here to fix it. He doesn't, he doesn't get ownership. So what is it? He's now considered a laborer. And since he's a laborer, you've got to pay him the same day. Bottom line. Well, since he's fixing it up, that should be improvement and that should give him some element of ownership. That's where you hired him. Levitshe. So apparently there was a process where um, they would make the talus wet, and while it was wet, they would they would um, like iron it down, something of that sort, in order to allow the fabrics to tighten up amongst each other. The heinus chirus, and that was that's considered labor. That's that's hired workers. That's not considered. Uh, any sort of sale. You should know this whole halacha about whether, this whole shayla about what type of uh, craftsman we're dealing with. Is he somebody to, who's here to make my talus? Somebody who's here to fix my talus? Somebody who's here to make my talus wet and straighten it out? Is actually a shayla, uh, is a proof to Rav Sheshesh's shayla. The boy Rav Sheshesh, I'm sorry, they asked Rav Sheshes, Kablonus, if somebody is a contractor. Somebody's a contractor, okay? Now a contractor, what's unique about a Kablon is you don't pay him by the hour. Or you shouldn't. You're supposed to pay him for the job. 
So whenever he finishes his job, that's when you pay him. Doesn't make a difference how long it takes him. You say, you do this job, I'll give you $500. They asked him, does you, you transgress Balsalim for not paying a contractor? In other words, is a contractor like he's selling you something? Or not? It is, he has transgressed. As soon as a Kablan finishes the, the job, you're obligated to pay him, uh, you're obligated to pay him the very same day. Lema der... Yeah, go ahead. Zog the Gemara Viter. Lema der Rav Sheshes, Bigger Rav Asi. Let's see Rav Sheshes. Argues on Rav Asi, meaning Rav Sheshes holds that a, a Uman, a craftsman, is not kind of bishvachli. He is not gaining the improvement. Amar Shmuel Baracha. Shmuel Baracha says, Bishlicha da Agarta. No, again, maybe we're dealing with a type of Kablan. They were dealing with a, a type of contractor who was an Igeres person. What's an Igeres? We come with Mamish today's Adar. We have this in the Megillah, right? Uh, they sent letters out to all the Medinas, all these letter carriers. And a letter carrier is a contractor. But what does a letter carrier do to the item itself? Nothing. There's zero enhancement to the item. All the, all the contractor is doing is all UPS is doing is taking it from place one to place two. So there you have a place, maybe we're done with a couple on a contractor who's not enhancing anything. And uh, Mamelo, there's no riot. No riot, there's no proof. Let's say this discussion between the Amiram, again about whether or not an Uman, a craftsman, inherits the item, with enhancement. Let's say it's actually a It's a dispute that goes back to previous generations. If you say to a jewelry maker, please make for me sherim. Sherim are uh, ankle bracelets, or they call them anklets. Nizamim are, um, I think, nose rings, and tabois are regular rings. And I'll marry you. So the woman says, I'm going to give you gold. With the gold, create for me beautiful jewelry. And with the enhancement that you're doing on the jewelry, you're giving me value and I'll marry you with that value. Instead of me paying you for making me an anklet, uh, that'll be how we're married. That's great. Once he makes the jewelry for her, she is, they are married. They are married. Did he hand her actual money? No, but he handed her strong value. Right? What picture the, the jewelry back? Okay, but it's her jewelry. One second. But is it her jewelry or his jewelry? Oh. So that's what we have, that, that's what we're, that's what the Gemara is going to figure out now. See, it's his, so if you say an Uman's kind of bishvachli, if you say the craftsman acquires it as he enhances it, this makes a lot of sense. Because he's acquiring the gold by changing it and enhancing it, and then he's giving back to her something for marriage. But if you say that an uman is not kind of bishrachli, that he doesn't own it, who, what, what's he giving her? Her own thing. Ah, he's not taking payment. Who says you can marry a woman with mechila? Mm. Right? <laughs> so here we go. It's beautiful. Says it more like this. Kivan shasan mekudash Ramir says it's a valid marriage. Vacham say, the chum say, no. Ena mekudash yachigim It becomes a marriage when it reaches her hand. My mummin. 
Says Gemara, what do you, what's going on over here? What money is reaching her hands? What are we referring to? If you're going to talk about, if you say it's referring to the gold that she gave him, this seems to imply that Rav will be of the opinion that if he gives her back, that when he gives her the very same gold, they're not married. So that if, if he's not, if, I don't understand. If he's not giving that back to her, how, is he, how are they being married at all? He's not giving her anything That's, that could create a marriage. El Rather, it's obvious. It's got to be my mammon. What does it mean he gave her money and you're married with that? Mammon acher, he gave her other money. And therefore, what, again, when Rameir says that when he, she asks him to make jewelry and when he gives it back to her, it's got to be that he gives it back to her and gives her money, it's going to be married. Okay? But the Chum are going to say no. The Chum are going to be of the opinion that just giving her back her own jewelry is not going to create marriage and you have to give her back her jewelry plus $5. If we're assuming right now everybody's of the opinion that as somebody works, they take along the gains of their work as they move. Okay, now I want to explain what that is in a moment. Uh, let's explain right now. What does it mean you, you take the gains? So if you give me a project to do, you ask me to build a house for you. As I build the house, you owe me money along the way. It's not only once I complete the house. Each stage, you owe me money as from beginning to the end. There's money that's being earned. And we're also the opinion that a person who marries a woman with a loan is not married. Okay? You need a mamish, give her money. My So the machlok is over here we're going to assume is about whether or not the craftsman acquired the gold when he made her the jewelry. The Rameir is going to be of the opinion that he does acquire it. And therefore, when he gives it back to her, says Rameir, they're married. That he does not acquire it by enhancing it and therefore by giving it back to her if there's no other money there, you have not acquired it. So do we see the same machlaikas that we're having with Rav Sheshes, Ravasi is uh, is seems to be uh, already an earlier machlekes tanaim. This is more like no the kul yama inu uman kaila b'shvachli. Really, every everybody holds an uman is not kaila b'shvachli. He doesn't gain it only with the enhancement. Ella hacha biyeshel l'sir b'tchil b'atzed k'mifligi. They're talking about whether or not he take he gets um, byless ownership from beginning to end. Rameir sover in the skiras el l'vesayf. Rameir says you only pay somebody when they're done the work for a bonus salary. Yesh l'schiras. Uh, and he says there is schirus from beginning to end. Meaning, do you pay somebody? Do they only have rights to money that you pay them when they complete the job, or do you pay them as they move along? Uh, as they move along with the job, and this is interesting because I find that this is a uh, an uncomfortable spot that a lot of us find ourselves in, both on the paying end and on the receiving end. See, there's times where you let's say somebody's doing work for you. And they'll come to you and they'll say, okay, now pay. And you're like, well, the job's not done. So, okay, so pay me for what I did up until now. And in my mind, what I'm thinking is, I, I thought I should pay you when we're done. Right? But this person's already demanding pay. And then what do they tell you? What do they tell you? Yeah, but I need to be paid now because I just, I need to have the money to buy materials. And I need the money, and that, and that, and then you could mamish be left hanging, right? Have you ever been put in this spot? Yeah, put in this spot. And sometimes you could be on the on the other end, where we do work, 
for somebody, or there's an expectation to be paid, uh, to be paid, um, you know, for the work that you did, and the person's like, no, I'm not paying you yet. I want you, to, I expect it to be done this way, or I want it to be done, done that. And that wasn't, that wasn't my expectation, right? So that's what these, and this is really what leads to a lot of machloikas and a lot of discomfort uh, within relationships and, and things that move along in, in projects is that there's a, just Pasha, a, a different understanding. So th- this Gemara is like this, it's, it's crucial. Is there schirus mitchilah ba'ad saif or not? What's considered, when does financial payment come in? When do you start? You have to what? Okay, but not, not, not always do we have that opportunity. Or not always do we do that. Not always do we do that. Because everybody holds that there's schirus and um, now, if there's chiras mitchil of that means he's owed money all along, and he's just uh, being Michael. He's forgiving his fee, okay? And you can't marry a woman that way. You can't say I'm waiving my fee to marry me to marry you, right? Like a mechil. Vahacha b'mekadesh v'milva k'mifugi. The rabbis may yourself are mekadesh v'milva mekudeshes. Rabbanu Shai mekadesh v'milva in the mekudesh. You marry a woman alone. It is not Mikudesh. Says the Gemara Tatamaviz. Okay. Again, we're trying to figure out whether this Bryce Machlikas Tanoim is the same as our Machlikas Amiraim. Rabba Marabba said to Kuliyam Everybody agrees that you pay a worker from beginning to end, which means it's a fee. It's not considered money. <coughs> With the marriage, he's just forgiving a loan. Everybody agrees that you cannot marry a woman with forgiveness of a loan. Everybody also agrees that a craftsman does not acquire in the gains of the vessel. Okay, so now Rav Meir will say, certainly there's no marriage over here. You're not giving her anything. So what's the conversation over here? Here's what happened. All right, my girls have... Uh, I don't know if they're still into it, but about a year ago, they were into they were into the zach. They were into this thing. I forgot the name of the company. I forgot the name of the company. It's uh, it was a very trendy bracelet. Ah, it's slipping my mind. Basically, you buy a bracelet, and then people who know you have the bracelet, they can go in there and purchase additional charms or uh, ornaments. Or at different things that they can add onto the bracelet. Okay, my daughters, whatever, they're in third grade, fourth grade, whatever it is. So it's like a cute thing. And then people, say, you know, on their birthday, you can buy them. It's like $50 for the bracelet. And then each thing is like $10. And it's, it's like cool when you're in third grade or fourth grade. People buy you more things and you can add it to your bracelet. Okay? So it says more like this. This woman gave him gold to make her inklets, nose rings, and finger rings. This guy's working on it. But what's the case, says the Gemara? He added on a little, a little shtickle of his own. He, he bought one of these things for her, so to speak. Right? His own little uh, trinket his own little, that, that attaches to the jewelry. So in a sense, she gave him, but at the same time, he added, uh, he added on as well. Now, Rameir says, okay, so now, when he gives her back the bracelet, what did he give her? He forgave the loan of her having to pay him, and he's giving some of his own mo- his own money. Now, can you marry a woman like that? Rav Meir says yes. Why? 
Reveyor says, Daita apruta, because when you forgive a loan, plus you add all money, the woman knows and her mind, the brain is on the additional money. And therefore, everybody knows, how are we getting married? With this added trinket. This added little thing, and that you could marry. As long as there's value, you can marry a woman with it. Same way you can marry a woman with a dollar. The Rabbanon say no. The Rabbanon say, even if he adds on his own little trinket, well, if she was supposed to pay him $100, and he's adding on a $5 trinket, and he says, behold, I'm marrying you, you don't need to pay me for my work, and I added a trinket. You know what her mind is on? The $100 forgiveness. And she's not accepting marriage of the money, the added trinket. She's accepting marriage on forgiveness of the loan. And you need absolute consent when it comes to marriage. She has to know exactly uh, how the marriage is taking place. And the whole thing's being messed up over here. And therefore, it says Rabbana is not a valid marriage. The das is going to be the, the person's mind. Uh, the, the woman's mind is going to be on the, on the forgiveness of the loan. And therefore, it's not a valid marriage because you can't marry a woman. Forgive us, Allah. If I say to a woman, "Behold, please be married to me," with instead of paying me wages, you're not married. But if he says to her, "Please be married to me with work that I will do for you in the future," then we say mikudeshes. Then we say it's a valid marriage. Okay, why? If he says to her prior to the work, I'm going to marry you instead of you paying me for the work, then you will be married, says the Tanakama. This that we say, you cannot marry a woman with forgiveness of fees, is only after the fact. If it's before the fact, you can. Why? So like this. If it's after the fact, she owes you the money already and it's like you're forgiving a loan, you can't marry a woman with forgiveness of the loan. But if you say it beforehand, you're not marrying her with a loan, you're marrying her with value. Gotcha. You're marrying her with value. But if he says with, with value that I will do for you, then in the Mekodeshes. The coach gave Mishra, he says, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You can never marry, uh, you can never marry a woman for... Um, for uh, forgiveness of a fee. You have to actually give her money. Yeah, you get these letters in the mail. We're coming up on Purim and I don't want to knock it. People should give tzedakah. We get these letters in the mail. In lieu of Shalach Manas, a donation has been made to Torah Prep School. Let me tell you something. Donations to tzedakah are not Shalach Manas. So I don't know why they're calling it Mishlayach Manas. I'm, I'm not sure what it is. You could say, you know, in your schos, or I don't want you to be insulted that I'm not sending, that I'm not wasting money on you this year with big goods that you'll probably throw out anyway. Um, but I don't know what it means in, in lieu of, you know, maybe in lieu of means that you just shouldn't feel bad, so you should know we're thinking of you, but it's nothing to do with Mishalach Manas whatsoever. Says Rav Nassim, you're not married. You didn't give her money. I mean, the bottom line is, this is not the mitzvah, of Kedushin. And Forgiveness of fees is not a marriage. If you add on for yourself, it would be a marriage. Now, that's the Machlaika. So my what's the Machlaikas based on? And what's the Nafkamina? What's the difference? The difference is going to be Schirus. When somebody, see his Gishmak, according to the approach, 
that you can marry a woman by forgiving future work, because now it's called service fees as opposed to loans. If you say that there's part of the work that hasn't been done yet that he hasn't earned, then you would still be a valid marriage. But uh, if you hold otherwise, it wouldn't be a valid marriage. Because it's all, uh, there's no actual money being handed over. And the difference is going to be if somebody gives you a loan as well as a pruta. Again, we had the, the conversation whether the das is on the loan or whether the das is on the pruta. Amar Shmuel, Shmuel says, If I give a shaykhit to slaughter my animal and he messes it up, he messes it up, the halacha is, he's got to pay me for my animal. Gotta pay him for my animal. Mazeku Paisheahu Naseka Emerloi Shhitli Mikan Bashaka Loi Mikan. Okay? So you gotta be careful. You gotta be careful. Somebody who's a shaykhit and doesn't do it properly. Now if it's a trefa, if it's a trefa, so it's got a hole in the lungs, that's not the shaykhit's fault. But over here, the shaykh messed up. You give somebody work to do, and the his mamish, you know, it was, it was uh, I don't, the word's not negligence, but it was uh, something of that sort. That is the word that's popping into my head. He's gonna have to pay. Says the Gemara, Lamali Lamimar Mazakupushe. Why are you going to tell me he's a damager and he's negligent? Says the Gemara like this. I'll tell you why. E Amar Mazaku, if I would just say he's a damager, I would say like this. You know when the, the Shaykhid has to pay you? If you hired him. But what happens if I go to a Shaykhid, like people do in Shul to their doctors and lawyers and accountants? You, walk, you see them on Shabbos, you might as well ask them a, a medical question, you know. You know, he saves me a trip to the doctor's office, right? Guilty. Uh, uh, yeah. Same with a couple of weeks ago about the billing with the doctor. And the yeah, right. So people chaperine. And by the way, by the way, again, you know, we're, we said as a joke, it's one of the beautiful things about Minyan. It's one of the beautiful things about Minyan and, and the whole concept of shuls and kehillas. Yidim start out way ahead of the rest of society. With opportunity, and it's just from how our day is structured, right? You start out every day, or you go to a mincha, you go to a marav. You're automatically going to be surrounded by at least a group of nine other men, and from multiple industries. And you're not just going to come and dive. You smooth a little before, you smooth a little afterwards. Just the networking opportunities of shul, the way they're bunched and built it in. Is uh, and job opportunities. It's it's a halfal thing. It's a beautiful thing. But um, so you, you have a shaykh. You're like, oh, you're a shaykh. You here anyway? You know, shakta for me. So what if I'm not even paying the shaykh? He's a guy I know from shul. He's a guy I know from shul. So I would say, What if he's doing me a favor and he messes up on my animal? Even if you're not paying him, but. If he's negligent, he didn't do his job right, it's not an excuse. Oh, you weren't even paying me. Just because you weren't paying me is not an excuse for me to damage you. Someone gives animal to a shaykh. And he makes an available, he doesn't shaykh it right. Uman, potter. If he's an uman, if he's an expert, so then he's potter. Says Rashi, interesting. Rashi says, things happen. Things happen, you know. If he messed up, because not everything always comes out perfect, there's an important message in life. You could be the best in your business, even the best in the business messes up at times. So then he's putter. If he's an expert, he's putter. Hedyite, but if let's say he's not an expert, he doesn't have all the 
experience, even if he did it, even if he did it for free, we're going to say, listen, we could assume that there's an element of negligence. And if there's payment, then always, if you mess up on the shechita, you're chayef. You're going to be chayef. Now, what do you see from here? This is actually a contradiction to what we said before. Before we said, why did we use an expression of mazik hu Because every slaughterer, even for free, is considered negligent if he messes up. This b'risa tells us otherwise. It says, no, if you're an expert, things happen. Things happen. You're not going to be chayef. Amalei, he says, lekar maichach. Lekar maichach means that uh, you got a problem with your brain. Got a problem with your brain. Which means the way that you're thinking is, uh, is warped. Is warped. Okay? What part am I thinking? What part? So Shmuel is saying that the whole... He's telling the guy who's asking this, the, the guy who's asking this question um, that you could figure out the answer for yourself. You could figure out the you could figure out the answer for yourself. Now, um, why though? Yeah, what's 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 wrong with this? So, so let's keep going. Also, there was another yeshiva guy who also asked this question. Same question. Omar Le and Shmuel says, I'm going to tell you the same thing I told your friend that your brain is, is doesn't work. You know why you're way off? Because I was going in Rav Meir's opinion. You have to learn how to think, he says. You're asking me from the opinion of the Rabbanon. Why weren't you listening better? Why weren't you figuring out my words? Shani, I marry, he says, listen. He says, listen to what I said. Now he's going to explain why he was telling them the brain is not functioning right now. He says, Shani, I I said... He's a damager and he's negligent. It's as if the owner said, Shecht it one way and he did something else. Now, who's the one who agrees with that logic? It's a man who says that a person needs to pay more attention. Now, you're coming back with a brisa. What is that? I'm a shita sermer. Says the Gemara, what do you mean shita sermer? Hi, Rameer. Which opinion of Rameer? Ilei Mahar Rameer. If it's going on this, the, the following opinion of Rameer, this time we learned in the Mishnah, Kashu Bala Bim Meseir, Venabu Vanam Garoi. If let's say you locked up your ox on a leash, or you locked the gate properly of the Yatsvizik, and the ox somehow breaks out and damages anyway the Yatsvizik, Bain Tam Bain Muad Chayav, the owner's going to be responsible whether or not it was a Tam or Muad. Again, what's a Tam? Unexpected. Muad, there's more expectations. If Rameer, this is the opinion of Rabbi Meir. Because your mayor says, you're responsible. Ah, oh, what do you mean? I closed it properly. Yeah, but you know what? Not only are you responsible to make sure that it doesn't damage in a normal fashion, you should be extra careful. Right? Hasam Bikroi Pligi. And there, it's based off of a machlaikas of how to darshan up the, uh, how to darshan up the pasuk. So, says the Gemara, that can't be which Rav Meir he's referring to. Elahar Rav Meir. So rather it's on this Rav Meir. Again, we're trying to find the Rav Meir that Shmuel is going in. Let's do two more steps over here that we're holding here for today. If you give wool to somebody to dye it red and he dyed it black. Or vice versa. Rav Meir, I mean, I said to me, you got to pay him for the value of the wool because he should have been more careful 
to not leave it in for too long. Red becomes black over time. But over there, he did it with his hands. So there, you, again, you're not going to have a proof to our case. You know, if the guy purposely dyed it the wrong color, maybe there you're responsible. But maybe if it was by mistake, maybe it's not considered negligence. So it's got to be a different mayor. If a jug broke and you don't pick it up and somebody gets damaged by it. Your camel falls down, you don't stand up your camel and somebody comes and trips over your camel and gets hurt. You got to pay for damage. If, you're, if you break a vase and it's on the street and a car drives over it and shreds their tires, you not picking it up, you're obligated to pay for their car. Your causative damage, your potter Okay, he says the right thing to do is to move it away, but a bezdin can't enforce the payment. And uh, over there, we establish that the machoikas is <coughs> uh, whether or not the one who trips on it should be held accountable as well. Because granted, you should have moved your your hezek thing, your damaging thing out of the way. But how much onus do we put on the guy who walked by? That's the source of Machlekes between the Rabbanon and Rabbi Meir. And this is the Rabbi Meir that Shmuel is referring to. We will hold it here for today. Be'ez Hashem, pick up with Amar Rabbah Barbachana on Matzi Shabbos. Let us... Shkia, Shkia, Shkia is close to 5, left at 520, 640. Um, we're going to aim for 710, Matzi Shabbos. Be'ez 710, 710 Shabbos. We had a lot of ground to cover. Hopefully we'll, uh, we'll make some up. Tomorrow's daf is, is much shorter. You can take a sneak peek ahead. So there's nothing wrong with stopping over here. Have a Gewaldike Shabbos and a wonderful Rosh Chodesh